Hello world, I'm Ethan Hansen, and this is Quantum Computing Now, a podcast about quantum computing basics, news, and interviews. This is a basics episode, so you're going to hear me explaining a concept in quantum computing. This type of episode is best for beginners who either want to gain a first understanding of a topic, or gain a deeper understanding. If you've listened to Basics episodes in the past, you'll notice this episode's a bit different. Well, actually, if you've listened to any episodes in the past, you'll notice this episode is a bit different. The reason is, it won't be me talking. I'm doing a collaboration with Daniel, the man, the myth, the legend behind Quantum Intuition, a fantastic YouTube channel all about quantum computing. If you haven't checked it out, you really should. I even took over his channel for a video, so go watch that after you listen to this podcast, of course. I should mention this episode is going to be a bit technical. I'd recommend at least listening to my intro to quantum computing episode before taking a crack at this one. Ideally, you've listened to all of my episodes before taking a crack at this one. Uh, with that said, take it away, Daniel. Hello, my name is Daniel Colomer, and um, yeah, I'm basically I'm the guy who's behind Quantum Intuition, the uh, YouTube channel uh, that I started about a year ago, uh, where I upload stuff, I upload basically raw material of myself, um, you know, exploring quantum computing, uh, quantum computing concepts and papers and stuff like that. Um, and for this episode of Quantum Computing Now. Um, Ethan asked me to pick a topic that I'd feel confident enough to explain um, without any visuals and any uh, supporting material, uh, which has been uh, it's been an interesting challenge. So I'm gonna I'm gonna try to do my best. Um, this is sort of you know uh, the, in the same along along the same lines that I do with my channel. This is not scripted at all. Um, so I hope that uh, I can transfer. Uh, the explanation of Grover's algorithm, which is uh, the algorithm that I picked, uh, in a way that is going to be maybe unique and and hopefully it's going to um, you know uh, kind of help you understand the algorithm differently than what's what's out there because it's an algorithm that uh, really often uh, actually not really often but everywhere where you look it's just either a uh, the geometrical representation that's used to explain how the algorithm works which in my opinion doesn't really tell you how it works it just shows you that it works um, and it shows you a visualization of the algorithm uh, or you know people just uh, go through the math and 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 kind of uh, you know prove that it works and that it's uh, that it's correct um, so the the way that I'm going to explain the algorithm is a bit different I'm going to explain it from the perspective of interference uh, and I hope that this is going to be um, illustrative and interesting uh, for you guys. So having said that, um, let's get let's get to it. I mean, um, first I want to kind of give you a, uh, an overview of the points that I want to go through with you today. So the first thing that I want to do is I want to explain you the problem that the algorithm solves. Then we'll talk a little bit about the input and the output of the algorithm, the building blocks of the algorithm. And um, yeah, at the very end, uh, I'll make a couple of questions that I think, so I haven't explored myself yet. Uh, and I think there are super interesting exercises for you uh, to actually go and, and, and try to figure out whether you can find the answer that, that are related to this explanation um, and to, to Grover's algorithm uh, itself. 
So let's talk about, so let's talk about the problem the algorithm solves. The algorithm is, a, is usually and is often uh, described as, as an algorithm that solves a search problem. Um, you have to be careful because sometimes uh, people um, tend to you know say that it solves um, or that it actually helps solve unstructured search problems, but the truth is, the the first building block of the first part of the algorithm actually builds some structure in there that is th that then it, it exploits to actually find the elements so it's not totally true uh there is some kind of structure in there that the algorithm exploits um, so be careful with this but it's basically search i think you can it's probably the most generic way to describe it because you can reduce other problems to uh you know to become actually search problems so the algorithm can be used for other types of uh in other types of situations but search is probably the most uh the most generic way to explain it um what are the let's talk briefly about the inputs and the outputs that's it that's important because the input of this algorithm is a superposition um, but it's what's important to understand is that in theory you can use any type of uh, of superposition. I mean, there's different types of superposition, right? Um, if you take an initial state, uh, if you have like a two qubit system and and you start with the uh, state zero zero, and you basically apply two Hadamard gates, you're gonna get a one type of superposition, right? But if you're initial state is a different one let's say zero one one zero um or even another type of superposition like when you're creating a superposition the the initial state you're coming from actually defines uh the way the superposition is going to look like and this is because of the principle of reversibility in quantum computing so this means that somehow that end state needs to remember where is it coming from because it cannot lose any information and so that's the that's that's the idea right the zero zero state is encoded into the superposition the zero one state if that's your initial state and you apply the two Hadamard gates is also going to encode that into the superposition where exactly this is encoded in the phases of um of the different elements of your superposition. If you have a zero zero and you apply two Hadamard gates, it's going to give you a superposition of all the possible options, um, where where all the options have a, a sort of a, a phase of zero degrees or a positive phase, right? Um, and so this changes. That's important because um, the if you think about you can you can call that the seed of the superposition. Uh, so if you think of the initial state. Um, being the one that defines how the superposition looks like, this initial state is something that you need later on in the algorithm to be able to actually um, create the amplitude amplification that makes the whole thing work. Uh, the algorithm is often presented with, uh, you know, the starting state being zero, zero, without mentioning that it's key that these matches the way you build the amplitude amplification later on. So this is so far so good with the inputs. You've got 
a superposition, you need to remember what seed uh, you're using for the superposition later on. The output of this algorithm is basically another superposition or is a state where the elements that you want to find have a higher amplitude than the other elements. So it's not guaranteed that you're always going to get 100% the element that you're looking for. And there are versions of, of the algorithm that actually can give you more than one element. Um, but it's definitely the, the, the goal of the algorithm is to turn that superposition into a, another superposition where the elements you're looking for have a higher probability of showing up when you measure. And so what you do is you repeat the measurement of uh, the algorithm many times, and then you'll, you'll get a probability distribution of the outputs and you can then take a guess on what are the things that you're looking for. Um, yeah, that's it. So in between the input and the output, there's two main building blocks in the algorithm. One building block is the is the one that's traditionally called the Oracle. And the second building block is the amplitude amplification, which is also used in other algorithms. So let's let's briefly talk a little bit about the Oracle uh, part of the algorithm. The Oracle is the building block that um, is responsible for building the structure in your superposition that is that is going to be used and exploited later on in amplitude amplification um, to actually uh, increase the amplitude of that particular element that you're searching right so the oracle is a portion of the algorithm that it's completely dependent on your problem um, what this means is that it actually encodes some sort of criteria that's the one that your problem uh, is kind of looking for, right? Uh, in most of the examples, you're just given an assumption that you're looking for element zero one, for example. And so the Oracle just builds that structure for the element zero one. That structure, by the way, is just, um, it's a phase shift of the elements that you're, that, that fulfill the criteria um, by uh, 180 degrees. It actually, it actually doesn't have to be 180 degrees. Um, it's uh, so there's uh, there's an, an idea out there. There's a paper that presents an uh, an oracle that is using a bit of a trick uh, called subdivided phase. Uh, so it's it's the, the idea is that you're not just um, you're not just flagging the elements that you wanna you wanna find that fulfill your criteria, but you kind of start flagging elements that look like they're gonna fulfill your criteria as you go, but only those who you know fully fulfill your criteria are the ones that are gonna have the maximum phase shift of 180 degrees, which are the ones that amplitude amplification will later on amplify more. The, the idea here is, uh, for example, if, you, if your problem is, uh, is a problem that relies on counting, uh, counting the different amount of ones uh, in, your, in your state, as, a, as, a, as an example, right? Uh, this is an oracle that would kind of, for each one, for each number one within your uh, binary representation of an element in your superposition, we'll add a little bit of a, so we'll add a portion of the phase. We'll, we'll phase the, that element a little bit. And so the elements that have more ones, right, will accumulate a phase with time and, and it will add up to 180 degrees. But this is uh, just, I think, a bit too 
a bit off topic uh, for this, but just so you know that there's other, um, other, other ways to implement the Oracle. But essentially the Oracle is really something that's gonna be uh, dependent uh, on your problem. So this is really gonna encode the logic uh, or the sort of the matching criteria that you, that you uh, wanna use for your particular situation. Having said that, it's time to um, talk about amplitude amplification. I think it's, this is the um, the most important part of the algorithm. In order to explain this from an interference perspective, um, let me first talk about interference actually, and, and, and kind of give you an example of what I mean by interference. Uh, we'll take a really simple example. Let's imagine that you have one qubit, right? Um, and this qubit starts with a state zero, in the state zero. When you apply Hadamard, uh, we're told that now the qubit turns into the state zero plus one. And if you apply the, you know, if you apply the uh, the actual mathematical transformation that describes Hadamard, that's where it takes you basically. We are also told that if you apply the Hadamard gate to this new state zero plus one, it takes you back to zero. And we often take that as an assumption and we just, you know, go ahead with, with our lives and, and our mathematical proofs and, and that's it. But this is really where interference actually happens. If you, if you think of the state zero plus one uh, as being, you know, it's that superposition that you apply the Hadamard gate to. And so if you apply the Hadamard gate to zero plus one, you could imagine that you're applying the Hadamard gate to both the state zero and the state one kind of at the same time. Uh, and so you're, if you think about a second level, um, I don't know how to call it, but like it's, imagine you you kind of unfold your superposition farther, right? And so this zero component becomes zero plus one, because that's what the Hadamard does. And your one component becomes zero minus one, because that's what the Hadamard does to the one state. And so you see here that, uh, and you can do this on paper if you, uh, if it's not clear, it's, it's a really simple way to see these is, you know, to draw these, uh, to actually write these down and see that you, you end up with a superposition that is kind of made of, uh, you know, zero plus one plus zero minus one. I'm ignoring here normalization and all that stuff. Uh, but you can see this plus one minus one cancel out. And so you go back to zero and this canceling out is, uh, destructive interference, whereas the zeros kind of interfere constructively, right? And and so I think this is really important to keep in mind because one way that we can take a look at amplitude amplification is, you know, let's imagine, imagine the oracle doesn't work for a second, okay? So imagine that your oracle doesn't really do anything. So now I'm kind of taking that example of one qubit to, let's do two qubits, right? because this is why it's going to get more interesting. So imagine that the Oracle doesn't work. So um, there's no element in your super, in your input superposition that gets phase shifted. Uh, and, and this goes straight into amplitude amplification. So you've got a superposition that is made of four elements, the four possible combinations of zeros and ones, right? Of, uh, of, of, two, zero, of two elements. Uh, so zero, 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 one, one, zero, and one, one. So the way amplitude amplification works is you first have one layer of Hadamard gates across all the qubits. So 
And again, I encourage you to do this on paper, uh, maybe listen to this again and kind of follow the steps because that is with two qubits is totally doable. It's not a lot of work and you can really see this interference happening here. So each of those elements of your superposition is gonna go through uh, a Hadamard kind of a Hadamard layer, right? So this means your zero zero will kind of expand into another superposition in and of itself, right? Like zero 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 one one zero one one. The element zero one will do the same, but remember that that superposition that you're going to create there is slightly different, right? It has a different set of plus and minus signs. Uh, within its elements, because it's got to remember that it comes from the zero one state. And so if you do that, you'll realize that you get this, this kind of second level of a superposition where you've got uh, four new superpositions that, that have unfolded from your original elements and they are all carefully balanced. So each component uh, if you take a look at, at, at the entire expansion, each component is twice positive and twice negative. So they kind of cancel out. The, the only element that does not cancel out is the element zero, zero, because remember that that's where we come from. So, you know, that's where the whole um, algorithm starts with zero, zero, right? And so this information is never lost. Uh, and so you have that after the first layer of Hadamard's, assuming the Oracle doesn't work, you have that really carefully balanced superposition that just you know interferes destructively and cancels everything out, leaving zero zero as the only component left. And so you're kind of back, uh, you know, you're back at, uh, at at the very beginning, right? Um, now, imagine for a second, imagine for a second that, Oracle, that the Oracle actually works, right? So let's, let's imagine that the Oracle phases the element zero one by 180 degrees, which adds an, a phase of minus one in your, in your state vector, right? So. What this is what, what what this is doing is, if you think about that expanded uh, super superposition that we just talked about, um, the fact that the oracle added a negative phase of 180 degrees is basically breaking that balance that we talked about, right? The balance where all the elements had you know two positive components and two negative components so they were canceling out now because we're negating one of those elements essentially one element will go through the Hadamard gates um, because it's negated you're kind of gonna have the same superposition but in a negated form so this means what was positive will be negative and what was negative will be positive and so you're breaking that balance and, and you're doing so by biasing the a majority or the sign that prevails in there towards exactly that element that has been faced. And so this is the, uh, this is really 
the essence of Grover's algorithm is that that Hadamard layer, in combination uh, with the superposition that you know has got some of its elements faced, it's basically breaking that that carefully designed balance that you had, and so the the, the, the distractive interference doesn't happen in the same way. It just happens to collapse to, sorry, I'm not, I don't want to use the wrong word. It's not a collapse. I don't want to use a confusing word because collapse is, is, is what usually people use when they refer to measurement. But um, the elements don't always, can they, they don't actually cancel out. So they, uh, so you end up after the Hadamard uh, layers applied, you end up with another superposition that almost looks like the superposition that has a seed, has a seed, the element that the oracle actually faced. And, and so here's where you got to remember what was your original seed as a input superposition seed. Because if you remember, um, the only element that was not kind of destructively interfering was the zero zero, because that was the original starting state of the, the whole algorithm. And so what amplitude amplification does after the first layer of Hadamard's is it takes that element, right? And it also faces that element negatively because that's the only piece that you're missing. Um, to finally create a superposition that it's exactly, you've basically changed the seed. So it's, it's exactly the superposition that uh, once you apply the final layer of Hadamard's will take you back uh, not to zero, zero, but to the actual element that you, uh, that the Oracle faced, right? So let's, let that sing for a second. Um, and again, I recommend that you uh, go through this by hand on a paper because it's really illustrative to see this and two qubits is not a lot of work. So let's recap that. So basically the, the Oracle introduces a 180 degrees phase uh, to, you know, the element that you're, that you're looking for, right? And th that is what's causing, that is what's causing these unbalance after the first layer of Hadamard's. So it's, it's breaking that combination of two plus signs and two negative signs for each element in your superposition. This is really, uh, this is really what's, what's happening at the interference level. Um, yeah, and basically that's it. So once you apply the first layer of the Harmart, then you apply that correction uh, where you're phasing the element that was used originally to create your input superposition. You then have a state that if you pass it through another layer of Harmarts, it takes you, it gives you, a, it gives you a final state where the amplitude of that element that the Oracle flagged is actually amplified. And, and the other ones are, uh, are kind of like, uh, in the case of two qubits cancels, can they cancel out completely? In, in the case of three qubits, they just get reduced. So yeah, so that's, that's basically it. Now, 
there's one I, I mentioned in the beginning that I wanted to also drop in a question for uh, you know for for whoever is interested in digging into this a bit more and 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 trying to see if that kind of explanation is uh, is helpful somehow is um, as you might know. Uh, this combination of the Oracle and the Amplitude amplification uh, for a bigger number of qubits, uh, you have to repeat it so that you get, so, so that the amplification uh, happens, you know, over and over again, up until a point where you are more confident you're gonna actually get as measurements, you're gonna get like the, the right answers, the answers you're looking for, right? So why do we need to repeat, right? That's, that's the question. So can we explain with this framework that I just presented, can we explain why do we need to repeat? Because if you take a look at the traditional uh, geometrical interpretation or, or, or analogy of the algorithm, uh, the repetition is explained as in the, you know, the, the need of rotating closer to the final solution vector. And uh, you also kind of got to careful because if you rotate too much, then you will basically miss the solution, right? So this is kind of the question that I'm dropping, dropping to the audience. Um, you know, just share, uh, share your thoughts here. I think, I think it's an interesting, an interesting puzzle to think about. It's like, why do we need to repeat, right? And if we repeat too much, why is it that we are missing the actual solution? Um, yeah, I hope um, I hope that you that you enjoyed. Uh, this is this is it. This is Grover's algorithm, uh, the two main components, uh, explained in a way that it's probably not the uh, typical way that you'll find out there in online tutorials. Um, but I hope that I hope that it somehow brought a different perspective to the way the algorithm works. And uh, if you enjoyed this and and you wanna you wanna watch more, remember to uh, take a look at my channel. It's called Quantum Intuition, and uh, I there's a tons there's a ton of videos about Grover's algorithm. Uh, there's a ton of other videos about other non-related stuff. But as everything is quantum, so. Um, hope you enjoy, hope you enjoy the content and I'll be more than happy to welcome you as subscribers to the channel as well. So having said that, I'll say goodbye and yeah, thank you for listening in. So I gotta say it was super cool to do a collab with someone. Um, I always saw people doing collabs on other platforms, never thought that I would actually get to do one myself, um, but it's been a fantastic experience working behind the scenes with Daniel, just super cool guy. Like I said, make sure you check out his channel, Quantum Intuition, on YouTube. Um, definitely look at the links in the show notes. You can head on over there. Um, another cool thing that I was sort of thinking might never happen is I got an anchor message. Um, if you don't know, there's a way where you can, at the bottom of the show notes, there's a link. You can send me a voice message on Anchor, which is the platform that I use to distribute this. Um, and you can, if you want to, have it in the 
podcast episode, so I reached out to Austin, who sent me the message, and he said, yeah, go ahead and put it in your episode, so I'm going to play it right now. Hey, what's up, Ethan? My name is Austin. I love what you're doing, man. Keep interviewing people. I love learning about quantum computing. Uh, it's a field that I love, love, love learning about, and uh, hopefully one day I want to start my own quantum computing company. So uh, yeah, man, keep it up. I love it. Thanks. Yeah, so I absolutely loved hearing that message. Austin, thank you so much. Um, I love hearing any and all feedback. If you want to get in contact with me, obviously you can do that, like I said, through the Anchor voice message. Or if you don't want to do that, you don't like the sound of your voice, much like I do, um, you can go to Twitter. Um, I'm at one Ethan Hansen or ProtonMail, Hansen at ProtonMail.com. If you want to shoot me an email or a Twitter DM, go for it. Um, if you want to share the podcast on Twitter or whatever your favorite social media site is, would also appreciate that very much. Love getting all the feedback I can, whether it's good or bad. If I had a something that I missed, um, I don't have anything for this episode or for previous episodes rather, but if there's a correction that you'd like to make, please reach out to me. Say you missed this thing because I want to make sure that this podcast is as factually accurate as possible. Um, no matter what episode it is. It doesn't have to be the last episode. It can be as far back as you want. Please correct me. I want to learn. I want to make sure that everyone else is able to learn and isn't learning the wrong information. So, like I said, reach out to me, Twitter, ProtonMail, or Anchor. On to further resources. So, of course, there's a link to Quantum Intuition in the description, the YouTube channel, as well as a specific link to an earlier shorter video collab. So, Daniel sent me a request, said, hey, I'm going to try out this new thing. I'm going to give you a random, well, sort of random, but hidden quantum circuit. You don't know what it's doing. All you can see is the output, and you have to play around with it. See if you can sort of solve it by turning off all the qubits. Anyways... I did that. I did it over in a video on his channel. Um, so I'll link to that in the show notes as well. Um, and I've also included a link to Daniel's profile on the Quantum Daily because he has some good pieces over there. Not only is he an interesting person to watch on YouTube, he's also a pretty good writer. Um, and with that, I'd just like to say Quantum Computing Now is produced in partnership with thequantumdaily.com. The Quantum Daily aims to cut through the technical jargon and the overhyped fluff pieces to deliver quality, comprehensible content about quantum computing. If you enjoy this podcast and would also like text resources, be sure to check out thequantumdaily.com, which I have linked to in the show notes. Thank you for listening, and I'll have the next episode out when I get to it. <laughs>